everybody, and welcome to another edition of Hang on the Holy Land, Land Grant Holy Land's flagship podcast. I am your host, Gene Ross. Joining me, as always, is Josh Dooley, and we are back here today to preview a, a top-tier opponent this week for Ohio State football, the Arkansas State Red Wolves. Josh, I know you are, you've, been, you've had this one circled on the calendar for months now. We're, we're super excited for this game, aren't we? Big one coming up, you know, first matchup of its kind in Ohio State and Arkansas State history, and... Gene, honestly, it feels like we just did a podcast about 15 minutes ago, but I'm ready to get back into some football. Yeah, boy, howdy, is there a lot to talk about in this game. Um, Ohio State, as you may have seen, uh, pretty large favorites in this one, somewhere around 45 points or, or whatnot. This is very much a, a tune-up game for the Buckeyes these, this week and next week heading into, uh, you know, before they get into Big Ten play. Um, the Notre Dame game was really their only uh, big-time non-conference opponent. But nonetheless, the games all still matter. You know, like Ryan Day said in his press conference today, every game is a big game at Ohio State. And if you don't think that, then then watch what happens if you lose one. Um, so certainly not a game Ohio State could afford to lose against an opponent like this. But before we get into that, we will mention some of just the news and notes from this week. Not a ton going on in Ohio State land, but we did hear from um, a couple of the coaches and C.J. Stroud today in their weekly press conferences. So we will start there. Um, at the top, you know, the big big story of the week, obviously, is the the injury of Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, we heard from Ryan Day today. Not a ton of, you know, clarification on what's going on with him. They already said that they won't bring uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba back if there's any risk of creating a longer-term injury. Personally, I don't think he'll play against Arkansas State simply because there's no need for it. Um, he also said they're hoping to get Julian Fleming back this week, but he didn't really fully commit to that either. Um, but I, I don't see a way that, that JSN plays in this game. I don't think his injury is, you know, super severe. We had seen reports earlier in the week of people saying, you know, he might be out a couple of weeks. And, you know, while that may be the case, just because they might sit him against teams like Arkansas State and Toledo, I don't think his injury is all that severe. I don't think Ohio State needs JSN to, to be the team that they're favored by 45 points over. I think they have more than enough at wide receiver to, you know, make up without him. You know, maybe they want to get him some reps next week just to get him game ready before they have to face Wisconsin. But, you know, this what what is being called a hamstring injury, they really didn't clarify on that either. Um, I don't think it's something to be super concerned about, but even if, if JSN is, you know, ninety to ninety-five percent healthy this week, I would imagine that they'll they'll have him sit just to, to get ready because you know the, the larger task at hand is to, to win the Big Ten and to win a national title. And I don't think that him playing or not playing against Arkansas State is really going to, you know, put a crimp in that style in any way, shape, or form. I'm with you on that, Gene. You know, the initial timing was not great. Obviously, Ohio State would have loved to have have, had him out there against the Irish, but the the timing now works out pretty well for Ohio State to where I I believe they can let him rest up, get completely ready, get back to 100%. If that means one game or two, all you really want is you want to have JSN back by the Wisconsin game, ready to go. So I'm with you. I don't think we see him this weekend. I would like to see him, if healthy, get some reps against Toledo, get him, get his legs underneath him, ready for Big Ten play. But again, the timing of it for weeks two and three seems to be pretty beneficial for Ohio State here. Yeah, definitely agree there. The only other real injury news um, on that front this week was was Luke Whipler. Um, he was seen in a boot post game, but uh, according to Ryan Day, not a long-term injury he suffered. Um, he did say that if he were to miss time, Matt Jones would likely slide to center and Enoch Vamahi would move to guard if he had to miss a game. Um, Vamahi actually played a few snaps on that fourth quarter touchdown drive in place of Matthew Jones, who was dealing with a little bit of something um, in that game. So it's not like it would be something that hadn't been seen before. Um, I, I know C.J. Stroud spoke a little bit today. He also said Whipler was battling through some kind of injury, and Matt Jones himself, he said, was sick all week. So maybe that led to a couple of the breakdowns we saw in pass protection. Um, Stroud himself specifically talked about guys like Paris Johnson Jr. and Donovan Jackson, how good they were along that offensive line. You know, we kind of talked about on our last podcast about how Paris Johnson Jr. Um, kept Isaiah Foskey quiet all night. We saw Jackson moving people around in his first start at Ohio State, so... Good to see the quarterback uh, speaking highly of his offensive line. And like I said on the injury front, it seems like there's not all too much in terms of long-term stuff to worry about with this Ohio State team. They got out of that Notre Dame game relatively unscathed, even though it seems like at times everyone was getting it banged up here and there in that game. But you know, I, I think we saw both Mayan Williams and Trayvon Henderson looking like they were banged up at times in that game, but it seems like they're both more than fine. So I'd say injury-wise, Ohio State's in a good spot. You know, JSN I don't think will will play this week. Maybe he will, maybe he'll shock me. But I think health-wise, overall, this, this team's in a good spot. And if Whipler... Um, you know, even if Whipler is, is another guy where if he's not 100%, maybe they, they go a different way. I think he's way more likely to play than JSN because it doesn't seem like whatever he's 
dealing with is super serious, and it is, as we've seen last year when Ohio State was missing, or two years ago, rather, when Ohio State played Michigan State without its whole offensive line. It is kind of tough to replace those guys, especially at center. So hopefully we see all those guys out there. But I think overall, health-wise, I think Ryan Day and his staff are, are pretty happy with where things are right now. And I think that you know you should feel pretty decent going into this game when, when a game where you'll likely get to rest a lot of your starters in the second half if all goes well anyway. And that's what you want, right? Obviously, we'd like to have JSN healthy, but <clears throat> Whipler's another guy. If he is not 100% this week, while you want to see the offensive line kind of develop that greater cohesion and chemistry, if he sits against Arkansas State, you can get some other guys' experience. I think this is a, this is the week to do it. So if both of those guys sit, no harm, no foul, in my opinion. It could get exposure for some other guys, opportunity for some other guys. And if they shift him around, so be it. But yes, all in all, I think that the Buckeyes are in a good spot. Yeah, the only other real bit of, I would say not even really newsworthy stuff, the only other thing from the pressers today that interests me uh, was hearing from secondary coach Perry Eliano um, just talking about sort of the, the Josh Proctor, Lathan Ransom situation. As we talked about in our in our Notre Dame co- postgame podcast, you know, Proctor got benched really after the first series in favor of Lathan Ransom, and then Ransom played uh, the rest of the way. But Eliano did say that Proctor stayed engaged on the sideline after getting benched in favor of Ransom. You know, he said that he's still been really working hard. He's been really engaged with the team and all that. So it's good to hear that he's not really, you know, getting dejected by getting benched there. I think he recognized, you know, what kind of happened in that game and and Ohio State's defensive staff playing the hot hand. Both Eliano and Day emphasized the need for Josh Proctor moving forward. And, you know, they they said he's an important part of this team. Uh, They also said Ransom was one of the hardest working players all offseason. So he really deserved those reps he was getting out there. So I am interested to see kind of how things play out with Ohio State in the safety room the rest of the year. We know that, you know, Josh Proctor is a guy that's been hyped up as one of the, the best players in that secondary, but we have seen over over times when, you know, it, there's been these plays where Proctor has maybe overcommitted or went too hard after a hit and, and whiffed on a guy, and it's led to a big play. And so maybe they do look to a guy like Ransom, who's less of a of a big play type of guy, but more of a safe of safe guy back there. It's kind of a you know, the I'm not going to compare him to Jordan Fuller, but it's more of that style of player where he's not going to do anything flashy like maybe a guy like Proctor would, but you know he's going to be solid back there. You know he's going to make the open field tackles and do, you know, the things that you want from a safety. So I am interested to see what happens with that Josh Proctor situation where they, they try to use him, where they move him around. Maybe they use him in some kind of situational role, but I, I like Josh Proctor from what we've seen of him. He seems like a really tremendous athlete, but you do have to cut down on, on those big misses if you're going to have a defense that, that, looks to, that wants to look like it did uh, against Notre Dame. Especially if you play for Jim Knowles, you know, he seems like a guy who is adamant that you are completing your assignments, you're in the right places at the right time. Excuse me. And I'm a Josh Proctor guy. I'm going to chalk this up to the fact that he hadn't really played football in a year. And like you said, like Jim Knowles said, they rode the hot hand. So I expect to see him out there and I expect him to have some big moments. He just, uh, you know, he couldn't quite rise to the occasion at the very beginning of that Notre Dame game. He missed that big tackle, but we'll hear from him. I have no doubt in my mind, but if there's some sort of rotation or timeshare there, then I think we're all comfortable with Lathan Ransom based on what we saw in week one. He was one of the best defenders on the field, made some good plays and was in the right spot. So fortunately for Ohio state, they have options unlike last year. And I I'm confident that they will get the safety rotation figured out. And it will be three or four or even five guys deep when all is said and done and when they've got everything really set the way that they would like to. Yeah, and I expect we'll see probably a little bit more rotation on defense this week just because, like we've kind of said, they could afford to do so, you know, get some guys some looks, even if it is earlier in the game when, you know, it's not quite out of hand just yet. You want to see what guys could do when, when it's not just garbage time, games in hand. So I imagine we'll see both Proctor and Ransom playing early in this game as well as some some guys getting in the game that maybe didn't see time against Notre Dame in week one. We saw that, you know, if you looked at the, the snap counts courtesy of 11 Warriors, you know, the only two corners that really played were Denzel Burke and Cam Brown. I expect to see some other corners out there maybe some different some young guys at linebacker along the defensive line that didn't really get a chance to play against the Irish so definitely looking forward to seeing that the only other real uh big I guess newsworthy stuff of the week for Ohio State not from the press conference but I don't know if you saw Josh Ohio State did fall one spot in the AP poll um not not exactly a an indictment of Ohio State more of a a positive in the in the favor of Georgia I mean Georgia just absolutely uh, dominated Oregon in their opener. This is a team coming off a national title that a lot of teams thought, what a lot of people thought would, would take a big step back this year, and it doesn't look like they're going to do that. So the Bulldogs did jump Ohio State for that number two spot. Ohio State falls back to number three. 
I don't think there's anything really to worry about here or, or get upset about if you're an Ohio State fan. I mean, it, it just is what it is. They're, they're giving respect to a team coming off a national title, a team that really, really dominated, you know, the number 11 team in the country um, in their season opener. Bama State's put at number one. So, that I mean, that that's the news of the week that is, you know, they did move in the AP poll, but I'm not, you know, I'm not upset about it. I'm not super concerned about, you know, if Ohio State does what they need to do at the end of the day, they're going to make the, the college football player regardless of what seed they are. So I'm not super concerned about that. Obviously, Bama and Georgia will have to play each other at, at some point or other anyway. And if the Buckeyes, you know, do what they have to do and, and are the team that we expect they'll be, um, they'll be in, in one, that one or two spot by the end of the season anyway. So I don't think there's really anything to get, you know, super worked up about from that, that move in this week's AP poll. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think you can let yourself be bothered by it. Kudos to Georgia. They really laid the smack down on Oregon. They deserve it. They're deserving of the number two ranking. And really, the top five, Michigan made a move up. Wisconsin dropped down, or I'm sorry, Clemson dropped down a little bit. All to be expected, especially early on during these first couple of weeks, you're going to see quite a bit of movement, I think, within the AP top 25 and all those different rankings. So the fact that Ohio State fell one spot, I'm not going to let my feathers be ruffled by that. It's probably par for the course when you eke out a victory like that, and then you've got the defending champs look so impressive. So I've really got no problem with one through three, one through five. I don't have a problem with any of it right now because there's so much of the season left to go. Yeah, for sure. And and maybe it's something that Ohio State can use as a bit of motivation this week. You know, you, you worry about these these kind of uh, tune-up t- style games coming off of a big win like that, maybe some sort of a, a hangover, maybe a letdown sort of performance against a much lesser team than the one you played the week prior. But maybe Ohio State could use that drop in the AP poll as motivation coming up here against this this just wonderful Arkansas State team that we're going to preview here. Um you know, the, to their credit, the Red Wolves coming off a big 58-3 to win over Grambling in their season opener. Um, they are led by a, a player who you may remember, uh, Florida State transfer James Blackman at quarterback. He looked solid in their first game, you know, completed 15 of his 20 passes for 210 yards and two touchdowns with another two scores on the ground. Um, as a team, they ran the ball 54 times for 339 yards on 6.3 yards per carry, uh, led by Johnny Lang on the ground with 124 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Champ Flemings led the way through the air with 122 yards and seven catches with a score. And so a good overall performance for the, the offense and defense of this Arkansas State team um, held the Tigers to 102 total yards and only nine first downs. Grambling's quarterbacks were a combined four of 17 passing. Um, but all that being said, it is tough to take away all that much from a game when playing against an FCS opponent. Um, you know, under Butch Jones, their head coach, who you may remember from his Tennessee days, um, they are, they are a 2-10 and ten record last year with just one win over an FBS program, a 27-24 win over Louisiana Monroe, and they were 1-7 in conference play. So while they looked kind of impressive in their in their season opener um i wouldn't be super worried if you're an ohio state fan because their their you know their previous meetings against fbs teams have not gone all that well um and while they are looking to bounce back from a very tough 2021 i don't know if they quite have the the roster to get back on the on the horse just yet i think you're being pretty nice about it gene i wanted to jump in and say blah 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 and just sort of cut you off but yeah i don't think you can take a whole lot from Arkansas State's opening victory against a Hugh Jackson-led team, which I was not even aware of going into it. Um, had I been aware, I may have, you know, put money on whatever spread there was. Look, you know, I, I don't think we're going to have the same sort of intensity or nervous energy with this matchup. Arkansas State, when it combined six and seventeen in the last two seasons before that big blowout, and while they have some players, and, and you hit on a couple of them. I think 2020 and 2021 is more indicative of the team Ohio State is going to see this Saturday. And you mentioned Butch Jones, who, for my money, is a poor man's Brian Kelly, which is funny because he really kind of rode Kelly's coattails at both Central Michigan and Cincinnati. But, you know, since then, he is 37 and 37 with stops at Tennessee and now Arkansas State. He's got that fiery red face and that animated behavior, just like Kelly, when he's ready to blow a gasket, I see a lot of similarities, but only one coach has really proven to be consistently successful on his own. That being said, you know, Jones did spend three years at Nick Saban's sleepaway camp for failed coaches at Alabama. So maybe he picked up a thing or two and he'll be able to bring Arkansas State back to relevancy, which they were for a long period of time. Blake Anderson uh, coached pretty well there. And prior to that, 
they had a, a series of one-year stops. Gus Malzahn, Brian Harson, and Hugh Freeze all spent one year, exactly one year at Arkansas State before they made the leap. It looks like Blake Anderson maybe missed the boat on that, stuck around too long, although he's at Utah State now. Uh, I don't know if Butch Jones gets them quite back to that level. I don't think he's a great coach, but who knows? You know, they did look great against an FCS opponent, put up a bunch of yards, didn't give up a whole lot on defense. But yeah, it's just it's not going to be the same atmosphere by a by a long, long stretch by a mile against this team on Saturday. No, definitely not. I had actually seen on Twitter right before we started, there are, you know, some tickets available for this game, but, you know, 15 to $20. So if you are looking to to get to a cheap Ohio State game this year, I think these next two weeks are going to be your best chance to do so. Um, definitely not as, as, you know, high quality of an opponent, so the ticket price will be a little bit lower. But nonetheless, let's let's take a look at what this team's offense brings to the field, what they'll bring to Columbus. Uh, we can look back to last year for a little bit. Uh, you know, in 2021, Blackman looked really good at quarterback before suffering a season-ending shoulder injuries. Shoulder, shoulder injury. Uh, he threw for over 1,300 yards with eight touchdowns, the four interceptions in eight games. Um, they did, however, lose one of their only real difference makers at wide receiver um, in Corey Rucker, who has since transferred to Carolina, South Carolina. Uh, they struggled to do much of anything on the ground last year. None of their top three backs averaged more than 4.2 yards per carry. Um, Lincoln Pair led the way with 448 yards and a touchdown on the season, but he transferred during the offseason as well. Um, Blackman, while a capable runner, is not really a true dual-threat quarterback. Uh, he finished in the negatives rushing a year ago, and while he did have you know two rushing scores in their game against Grambling, they were both, there was, those were his only two rushes of the game. Um, and I imagine Ohio State's defensive front will have a much easier time keeping him corralled than, you know, let's say, a guy like they faced last week against Notre Dame. Uh, much of their struggles in the run game uh, were a result of a real lackluster offensive line. The team allowed 48 sacks last year, fourth worst in the country. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's not not what you want to see. Nearly 50 sacks allowed, really getting their their quarterbacks in, in harm's way. Um, according to Football Outsiders, they were dead last in power success rate, um, 110th in the country in both average line yards and stuff rate. So simply not good enough up front. Um, they still did manage to average 25.2 points per game, but they were really forced to play from behind um, and throw a whole ton behind a, a bad run game and an even worse defense but you know just looking at some of the offensive players to watch this year you know we talk about Blackman he has experience playing big time power five football I don't think he'll really be rattled by the environment having you know played some of those big ACC teams in his time at Florida State um, Champ Flemings who I talked about led them last week in passing in week one um, a five foot five 142 pound wide receiver a real speedy small guy transferred from Oregon State um, they also have wide receiver Tavalence Hunt uh, who was a second-team preseason all-sunbelt pick. Yeah, me and Josh were speaking before the before the podcast. He didn't register any stats in their first game, um, so we're not quite sure what's up with him. It's kind of hard to find a ton of info on Arkansas State, so I don't know if he's hurt, if he's still with the team or whatnot, but, you know, he's on the roster, so I imagine he'll be there. He just didn't have any, you know, maybe he sat out week one, not quite sure, but six foot three TCU transfer. Um, not quite sure if he played in their opener or not. Kind of tough to figure that out. But nonetheless, um, the last player I'm kind of looking at here on offense that Ohio State fans may remember a little bit um, is running back Brian Sneed. Um, you know, Lang, formerly at Iowa State, looked better in week one, but um, Sneed was a guy who was formerly a player at Ohio State. He was a top 100 prospect in 2018 before he was kicked off of Ohio State for off-field issues. Um, and he is, he is listed as a starter despite getting outrushed by Lang in week one. But other than those guys, um, not, a, not a ton really here to worry about for Ohio State. I do think this is a very different style of offense for Ohio State to go up against rather than what they saw against Notre Dame. Notre Dame was obviously a very, you know, run-heavy, option-heavy offense, whereas I think Arkansas State will look to air it out a little bit, especially because, you know, I expect them to be behind a bit early on, so they'll also have to, you know, start throwing the ball a bit more to kind of stay within the game. But I think this will be a good test for Ohio State's defensive backs who didn't really get a whole ton of action in last week's game. I expect to see, you know, Ohio State's pass rush get some more chances against a team that's going to look to drop back to pass more. So I think while this is a team that shouldn't really test Ohio State, I do think it'll allow them to, you know, kind of see some things on defense, especially in the secondary, um, and kind of learn more of what they have defensively moving forward. Not quite the same level of star power, right, in this one, especially on Arkansas State's offense. But that is Butch Jones's sort of <clears throat> specialty, and we'll see if he gets things rolling on that side of the ball. You mentioned Blackman. Overall, you know, he can do some things. He threw for seven thousand, or he has thrown for seven thousand yards and fifty-three touchdowns in his college career. So, some production to speak to. He does complete less than 61% of his career passes, but you mentioned 15 for 20 in the team's opener. He was better last year in spurts. So he's had these good stretches, 
but then his efficiency ratings are really brought down by some clunkers that he's had really. He's been inconsistent at times. I think that's fair to say. So he can throw it a little bit. He's an okay runner, although he doesn't look to do it often. You mentioned the two touchdowns for him. Maybe it's a new element that he's adding to his game this year. So, yeah, completely different from Buckner, who is a true dual threat. He's got some big guys on the outside, which is not the case for Arkansas State. They might be able to move the ball a little bit, and I think Blackman's got some talent. You know, he was at Florida State for four years, starter on and off. He was a captain, so they've got to keep their eyes on him. As far as the running attack goes, as a double-barreled attack of Johnny Lang and Brian Sneed, like you said, Lang did rush for 124 yards on only 13 carries in the opener, but that accounted for nearly 20% of his career total. He was predominantly a backup at, at Iowa State across five seasons, and he's only 5'8", 190, so not a big, powerful guy. Neither is Snead, who is a, you know the former Buckeye that you mentioned. This is his third school since 2018 after he spent some time in Juco. He had 57 yards in the opener, but again, nothing you're too concerned with. Their wide receivers are unique, right? You mentioned Fleming. He had 122 yards for the Wolves last week, 5'5", 145. Gene, is that the smallest player you've ever heard of at the FBS level? I had to check like three different sites to make sure that that was correct. I was like shocked when I saw he was 5'5". Five five. I was like, oh, they had to, this has to be a mistake. He's got to be at least 5'8", you 5'9". Know, five, five, but yeah, I, don't, I can't recall, especially at a wide receiver position, a guy being 5'5", five five at, you know, at, at, at this level. It's, it's pretty shocking. And I didn't watch the opener. I don't know if he's a screen guy, an underneath guy. I would have to imagine that he is. I don't envision a guy who is 5'5 being a big downfield threat, but we'll see. You know, And he has been productive. He was a return specialist at Oregon State, so he knows what to do once the ball is, is in his hands. It's a matter of whether or not Arkansas State can do that. And you mentioned Savalitz Hunt. I, I did the same thing. I was trying to do my research, get ready for this podcast, and I spent – a lot of time on Google trying to find out what happened week one because you and I both, neither one of us were able to find where he put up any stats, not even sure if he dressed for the game. So we're both unsure of his status at this point, to be completely honest. But he was a former four-star recruit who went to TCU and he had 759 yards for the Wolves last year. So could be a talented guy, TBD, whether or not we see him on the field. Uh, you know, they've got a tight end. I didn't write down his name. I should have 6'4", 230, something in that neighborhood. Could be a potential downfield threat for them down the seam, something like that. We saw Notre Dame try and use Michael Mayer. Maybe Arkansas State will do that with their athletic tight end. But you mentioned up front, it, it's kind of funny that they gave up the 48 sacks and they weren't able to run the ball at all last year. But they're really big up there left to right i've got 315 pounds 338 290 in the middle and then 335 and 340 they're projected starters on the right side of the line so not real sure what to take from that you look at how bad they were last year and then how good they were against grambling state uh you just have to say though they're not even playing the same game like this is an entirely different universe going up against ohio state so I wouldn't imagine that we're going to see anywhere near that same level of production. Maybe they bust some big plays. Maybe they get it in Fleming's hands. But um, based on the way Ohio State looked against Notre Dame, if they are, you know, play anywhere near as well as they did last week, gosh, you know, this could be a shutout. Uh, I'm not going to throw that out into the atmosphere, but Arkansas State is clearly overmatched, and we saw some real improvements from this Ohio State defense. If they come out with their hair on fire and play to that same level, I think the the Wolves could be the Red Wolves could be in a re, in for a real surprise, a real rude awakening compared to what they saw opening week. Yeah, for sure. And the toughest part here for the Red Wolves is that offense is probably the better of their two units. Uh, because like we said, you know, this, this defense was one of the worst in the country last year, um, allowing 38.6 points per game. That's 124th out of 130 teams. Uh, they were the worst in the nation against the run, second worst in yards allowed at over 500 per game. Um, and, and on top of that, they lost their top two tacklers from that unit to uh, graduation and transfer. Um, their, their leading sack man from last year, Jojo Ozugu, is also gone. Um, they'll need to replace a bunch of production from a defense that was already not very good. I mean, they did, you know, we talked about how they 
they got off to a great start with their performance against Grambling, um, but not not really taking a ton off of that based on the, you know being an FCS opponent. Um, they do return Kevon Bennett, uh, one of the best players on the defense as a whole. Um, had 15 and a half tackles for loss and seven sacks a year ago. Um, they were led this past Saturday by fellow defensive end Karon Crawford who posted a team-high five tackles with three tackles for loss and a sack. Um, the Arkansas State defense did manage to come up with four sacks total last week. Um, junior defensive back Eddie Smith forced the game's only turnover with an interception. Um, but outside of Smith, there are a lot of sophomores and, and underclassmen in that Red Wolf secondary. Um, they're going to be tested mightily against the, the Ohio State offense. I'm going to expect to see a lot of Trayvon Henderson and Mayan Williams in this game with Arkansas State struggles against the run. Um, their linebacker core is is small. They're they're six foot one, two sixteen, and Jaden Harris and five foot ten, one hundred and eighty, Malik Straker. So two guys in that Unreal. linebacker core that are a little tiny. A lot of, a lot of smaller guys across the board uh, on this roster, and they're, they're athletic guys, but definitely not the largest in stature. And for guys like Henderson and Williams who like to run tough, could be a, a real tough assignment for them. But I do think the you know the biggest test in this game might actually be. Um, Arkansas State's offense versus Ohio State's defense. I know we talked about some of their struggles up there, and I don't think that the Red Wolves are going to drop 30 points or anything on Ohio State, but the vertical passing attack will be much different than Notre Dame's. Like I said, they're a team that likes to take some deep shots, something we didn't see from the Irish. Um, I think it'll be a chance to test more of that secondary, and I also think it'll be a, you know, a good chance to, to see more of that pass rush, like I said. But yeah, on on defense specifically here, I don't think it's going to be much of, of a test for C.J. Stroud and those guys. I think they're going to be able to move the ball with these, probably put up a lot of points in this game. I don't think we will see um, a lot of the offensive struggles that we saw from Ohio State in week one, even if they are, you know, a bit off uh, rhythm with some of the wide receivers here. I think they'll be able to run the ball quite easily um, whenever they want to. I think the offensive line is going to dominate up front here, even though some of the best players on this team are the defensive ends. Um, but yeah, not not a ton going on on this defense. Just looking at some of the players to watch here on that side of the ball. Um, you know, I mentioned Bennett. He's the son of a former NFL Pro Bowl linebacker, Cornelius Bennett. He was a second team all Sun Belt guy last year. Um, and then senior defensive tackle John Mincy Jr. Uh, will be one of those guys tasked with trying to slow down the OSU run game. He followed Butch Jones from from Tennessee to Arkansas State, listed at six foot four, two ninety. But other than those two guys, man, not not a ton going on on this Arkansas State defense and and on this team as a whole. Um, you know, kind of like we said, it, it's a little bit tough to find information on these guys because they just don't have a lot going on. Not a ton of outlets following them as well, but it just doesn't seem like coming into this game they have a whole bunch of, of big-name guys, obviously. But even on top of that, just as a whole, it doesn't seem like they're a unit that has much that could really test Ohio State in any significant way in this game. I think it'll show them some different looks, but I don't think they'll be you know worried about this game at any particular point. I think it's a huge indictment on the Arkansas State beat writers, you know, uh, because I'm with you. It was tough to find information, and obviously I'm not going to call those guys and girls out, whomever they are. That's just joking. But, uh, Gene, you buried the lead. Arkansas State's defensive coordinator is a former Buckeye national champion, and I know that you know who I'm talking about because we discussed it a little bit before the podcast. So Rob Harley is their defensive coordinator. He was hired in 2020, just previous to the uh, prior to the 2021 season. He is he's either the grandson or the great nephew of Ohio State legend Chick Harley. I feel like I should know that, but I didn't write it down. You know, he coached at Michigan State and Pitt. He appears to be an up and comer. That being said, his unit was awful in 2021. You mentioned some of the stats. They gave up nearly 30, 39 points per game. Um, just weren't great against the run or the pass. And that's kind of, you know, speaking the obvious when you talk about their defensive metrics. And like I said earlier, this is going to be a, a game played in an entirely different universe, uh, a different game of football, if you will, going from Grambling State to Ohio State. So their work is certainly cut out for them. But just looking at some of the players that you brought up uh, against Georgia, or I'm sorry, Grambling State, they were led up front by Keon Crawford and T.W. Ayers. Crawford is a 20-year-old freshman, interestingly enough. He did not play football until he was a senior in high school, but he had five tackles, three for loss, and a sack in their opener. Ayers was a former two-way guy, fullback and defensive end. Now he's an undersized defensive end only, but he had a sack and a forced fumble in week one. Thurman Gathers always also played for them along the defensive line. He had a sack. Another guy, small in stature, he's listed at 6'2", 217. When you look at the defensive ends, not a ton of size there. Mincy in the middle is their only kind of big and notable defensive tackle. He's about 290 pounds. So 
not real big up front, but they did do pretty well against the run. I've got Bennett written down here as a guy to keep an eye on. And I'm going to bring him up between the defensive line and the linebackers because he has played both during his time at Tennessee and now with Arkansas State. At Tennessee, he was an effective 3-4 rusher for them before he was kicked off the team. He had 12 and a half sacks combined in 2020 and 2021. So he can get after the passer a little bit, but I believe he's now being asked to play more of a traditional linebacker. And that might be due to the lack of size they have at that position as well. We might see him get moved all around the field. You mentioned his dad was a former pro bowler. Damn near Hall of Fame worthy stats. He played for the Bills. I think he appeared in four different Super Bowls, if I'm not mistaken, or four straight Super Bowls for the Bills when they had their big run. So he can get after the quarterback and do some things. But at linebacker, gosh, you mentioned the size. 5'10", 180, Malik Straker is like unheard of at that position. And Jaden Harris is not much bigger at 6'1", 215. They both played linebacker last year and they combined for eight tackles in the opener. I think last year they combined for like 70, 80 tackles. They were two of the better players on that poor defense, but I could see them being run all over, run all around, you name it. They weren't great against the run last year and Grambling State's clearly not a good test. They also have Jordan... I want to say Carmucci, Carmucci, not real sure. Um, He's a rotational guy at linebacker. And what's a note I took down about him. He started his college career at Houston in 2016 as a running back. So this guy has been around the game, probably upwards of 25 years old at this point. And then in the secondary, yes, they gave up 52 yards on four of 17 passing. Uh, they've got some guys back there, but going up against maybe Julian Fleming, almost definitely Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Ibuka and guys like that, it's going to be another rude awakening for that unit on that side of the ball. And it just kind of it speaks to the totality of the two teams that are matched up here. You don't want to like diminish an opponent. But it is what it is, right, Gene? I mean, this team was 2-10 and ten last year, one of the worst defenses in the country. They've got a bunch of uh, veteran nomads on the offensive side of the ball. When it comes down to it, I just don't see any way or avenue they can take to being competitive in this game. Do you? And, you know, is it unfair to say that in your opinion? No, I mean, I don't think it's unfair. You know, you want to, you know, get, at the end of the day, these are all D1 athletes in their own right. But at the end, like, this is a bye game. It is what it is. Like, they know what it is coming in here. They're not coming in here. You know, they obviously are coming in to try to win they're the game. They're getting a but paycheck, they, right? Yeah, exactly. They're they're getting paid to come here. It's helping out their athletic program and, and whatnot and, you know, all that good stuff. But they don't, they're not coming in here really fully confident they're, they're going to be able to beat Ohio State, especially on the road like this. I think in a game like this, you know, you're more looking to, like, at what Ohio State's going to do rather than what the opponent's going to do. This is a game where, you want to see some improvement in Ohio State from week one to week two, especially against a much lesser opponent. And I think there are some, you know, pretty legitimate things to look forward to from Ohio State specifically in this game. You know, me, um, uh, you know, just individually, I am looking to see, you know, if, if C.J. Stroud gets in a better rhythm with his new wide receivers against the lesser defense. I'll be interested to see what the offense looks like if Julian Fleming is back out there. Um, but whether he is or not, you know, will he be on a better, you know, repertoire with uh, guys like Emeka Ibuka, Marvin Harrison Jr.? Will we see uh, more of the younger receivers? You know, the X-Man, Xavier Johnson, had a great game last week, but I was kind of surprised that he was the, you know, kind of the third man up in that room after they lost some guys. So it'll be interesting to see what the depth looks like at wide receiver. And on that same vein, will Ryan Day look to go pass-heavy again early despite Arkansas State having a very poor run defense? Will he, you know, kind of be stubborn if the opening game plan doesn't work out the way he did against Notre Dame? Will they actually look to run the ball this time since it was a strength of theirs last week and it seems to be, you know, a potential strength going into this game? Um, I'm interested to see what that's going to look like. And so I am. I think this is much more of a game of like, what are you looking for from Ohio State rather than what are you looking for from their opponent? Because, you know, like we've said, you know, you don't want to disrespect these guys, but at the end of the day, they're not really bringing a whole bunch to the table here. And, and like you said, I don't really think they have much of a chance of keeping this one competitive. And, you know, with Vegas setting the 45 point line, I think most people tend to agree there. Yeah. And I can't really add a whole lot to that. So let's go off script a little bit. I've got some questions for you, Gene. When it comes down to Ohio State's offense in this game, would you rather, or or which one is more likely in your opinion, 
Would you rather see 400 yards passing or 300 yards rushing? Uh, why not both is my answer. Okay, that's a great answer. <laughs> not one that I even had in mind. That, that, that is a great answer. No, but um, re- I mean, realistically, like I would like to see, you know, a good mix of both. I want to see that they're, you know, consistently able to run the ball like they were in the fourth quarter against Notre Dame. But I'd also like to see maybe more efficiency from C.J. Stroud in that passing attack. I think, like we said last week um, in both podcasts, I think Ohio State, you know, got a little bit too cute in their passing attack. I'd like to see you know, a much more standard, you know, you don't really have to open up the playbook against a team like Arkansas State, you know, run. Your standard pass plays, we didn't really see, you know, a whole t- bunch of slants or even, you know, out routes until really the end of the game. You know, just just keep it basic. Let CJ get into a rhythm. Let him throw the ball around. Let him get comfortable with all of his different wide receivers. Don't just target one guy. You know, like I said in the post game, it felt like a lot of the plays Ohio State was running early were designed for JSN. And when he wasn't out there, they didn't really work. So, you know, run an offense that works for all the guys that are out there. Let him get into a rhythm. Let both running backs both. I'd like to see more of Travion Henderson. I feel like, you know, he had more of the carries in that game, but I felt like... Like, you know, Mayan got more of like the actual important reps and I'm like the better designed plays. So I'd like to see both of those guys get pretty equal work in there. And then, like I said, you know, I'd like to see, I imagine we'll get to see some of the backups here. So I'd like to see what some of the young wide receivers are able to do. Maybe we'll see some of Dallin Hayden in this game, the third third running back on the roster um, and stuff like that. So I'd like to see a lot of different things from the offense. But at the end of the day, you know, keep it basic. Um, don't get anyone hurt. I think that's kind of the main goal going into a game like this. And that's fair. I think what I'd like to see the most is some big plays. We didn't really see any um, kind of broken or, or busted against Notre Dame, which is probably to be expected. They've got a solid defense, good up front. They have Brandon Joseph really patrolling the back end. So I'd like to see some big pass plays, and hopefully Ohio State is able to break some big runs too. Both Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams averaged, I think, exactly six yards per carry but nothing down the field. You'd like to see a 30, 40, 50 yard gainer broken, maybe even longer off of a kickoff. One of those signature Travion Henderson runs. And, you know, let's see some of that Mayan Williams speed too. He dropped some weight, looks to be in better shape. Maybe he can break you a 50, 60 yarder as well. Getting, you know, staying on the offense, you started to bring it up and you led me into this. Give me a player or two that you either want to see more of or a lot of against this Arkansas State defense. Yeah, you know, I'd like to see, you know, maybe a little bit of Kion Grays, you know, one of their their highly touted um, freshman receivers, you know, a lot of other guys in that room as well. But I think more more so than looking for a specific player, you kind of mentioned it as well. I want to see who's going to step up on this team and be that deep ball threat that you're talking about. You know, without mm-hmm. guys like Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, two guys that were really, really good at taking the top off the ball, there isn't a guy on this roster, you know, Jack Smith and Jigba is is more of a, you know, catch the ball underneath and then make plays with his feet and then go with it. He he's can catch the occasional deep ball as well, but he's more of a yards after catch kind of guy. Who is going to be the guy that takes the top off the defense. Can Emeka Ibuka be that deep threat guy? You know, Marvin Harrison Jr. is is more of a bigger wide receiver, more of your go up and get it guy, but he's not, doesn't seem to be the fastest guy in the world. So who is going to be that guy on the offense that is going to be your true deep ball threat? And they, they, I think they do need to sort of identify that guy early on, especially maybe in a game without JSN. Maybe Julian Fleming is that guy. Maybe if he plays in that game, he could take over that yes, role. But, but, you know, like you said, it wasn't really going to be something that you were going to look to get against Notre Dame. But against a team like this, it would be nice to kind of figure out who your, your deep ball guy is going to be because I think every good team really needs that type of guy to, to go look for for a big play here and there. And you mentioned both of the players that I was thinking of when I asked the question. I would like to see Dallin Hayden get involved here just because at the running back position, it's so much more prone to injury. We've seen it in the past with both Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams. So it would be nice. It would be good to get Dallin Hayden some experience, get him a couple of carries, get him used to college football, taking some hits, things like that. So you know, he's one guy that I would like to see, but the other one is Julian Fleming, if healthy. I've been waiting for three years. I'll, I'll throw out a wild prediction right now. I think that this is going to be the Julian Fleming breakout. And uh, I've been beating this drum, like I said, for a number of seasons now. Uh, you know, just give me something, man. I, I've been so lonely on Fleming Island. He came in as the number one wide receiver. He's flashed at times, but he's been so banged up. And it 
there's no better word for it. It sucks for him because you know that he has put in the work. The coaches have spoken very highly of this guy. He had a tremendous offseason, and then lo and behold, he's banged up for week one against Notre Dame. So I hope he's healthy. I hope he gets in this game, and if he does, I'm predicting two or three touchdowns from Julian Fleming because I know the talent's there. I know the potential's there. Now, is he going to play long enough to score two or three touchdowns? Not sure, but I'd love to see that. So I, I think we're in lockstep here on the offense, flipping the side a little, flipping the script a little bit to the defensive side of the ball. Same question, Gene. Give me a guy or two that you'd like to see make his presence known against Arkansas State. Yeah, and I think the answer is a bit obvious here. I think it's the same, you know, one or two guys that most Ohio State fans are looking forward to seeing. And I think we might get a chance to see them in this game. Show me some of CJ Hicks and Sonny Styles. Show me, show me your five-star freshman on defense. Show me your five-star safety and your five-star linebacker. You know, I expect that Ohio State starters are not going to have to play more than two or three quarters in this game. So why not throw those guys out there with the twos? Let them get some reps early. Show what they could do. Even Kai Stokes, throw him in there as well. You know, we haven't really, we didn't see any of those guys get to play at all against Notre Dame. And against a team that you should beat by by a hefty margin, I would love to see those guys get some real game reps. The same goes for you know the corners, Jordan Hancock and J.K. Johnson. They're That's not where freshmen. I'm going. Yeah, they're not freshmen. But we only saw two corners play for Ohio State against Notre Dame. Ryan Day did say they'll probably rotate more on defense moving forward, which I don't love to hear based on what we've seen from defensive rotations at Ohio State. But again, in, in games like this one and what they'll have next week as well, I think it makes sense to rotate a bit just to see what you've got. But yeah, I'd love to see all those guys get some get some in game reps. But Hicks and Sonny Styles especially, I would love to see what they're able to do out there. You know, against an overmatched opponent, I want to see them make some big plays maybe challenge the stars a bit maybe get those guys you know it, it's hard to kind of get up for these games but if you're you know if you're a player that's in that number one spot on the depth chart right now and you see these young guys that are really balling out towards the end of a game maybe it gives you a little more juice and then the guys that are up top play a little bit better too so I think it's great for everyone involved to get those young guys some reps it'll help them in the long run as well when they're eventually all starters at Ohio State so especially on defense more so than offense I would love to see a lot of the guys that we didn't get to see in week one get a chance to make some plays. I'm with you, and those were all great answers. I think that, <clears throat> excuse me, I think that Styles, uh, C.J. Hicks, and Kai Stokes are probably the more like sexy, exciting answer or options there. But for me, it's the cornerbacks. I do want to see Jordan Hancock and J.K. Johnson get involved, get in the game, because, like you said, the um, the two cornerbacks. Well, I, I don't know why I'm blanking for a second. Denzel Burke and Cam Brown played. Pre- pretty much every snap against Notre Dame for good reason, really. But down the road, you are going to need a third or fourth or even fifth corner who has experience, who can match up with a guy, maybe play in any sort of zone that you call, just play in your scheme, in Jim Knowles' scheme. So I'd really like to see Jordan Hancock and J.K. Johnson get out there, matched up against a guy on one end of the spectrum at 5'5", 140, uh, if Hunt plays for Arkansas State, then you're at the other end with 6'3". I think he's like 220. Get them some exposure. Get them some experience against a lesser opponent. Give them some confidence for further down the road because we've seen it in years past. You are going to need them. Even if it's not against every opponent on your Big Ten schedule, if you go up against a, you know, a Purdue or a Michigan State or whatever – They've got pass catchers. They've got wide receivers who can go down the field and get the ball and make plays. So those are the two names that really come to mind for me. But again, I'm with you. I'd like to see some of the freshmen, maybe even a Caden Curry up front. I don't know if Kenyatta Jackson or uh, Omari Abor are ready to go, but this is the game to test them. This is the game in which you want to kind of Put them in the limelight. I know know it's a noon game, but you want to get them out there in a packed stadium, hopefully, while it's still early in the game, and just give them some reps against an opponent that you know that you should not have a whole lot of trouble with. Yeah, and Josh, you say you know that that Burke and Brown played almost every snap. They legitimately played every single snap in this game. Uh, okay. Looking looking at the eleven Warriors snap counts here, Denzel Burke played all fifty defensive snaps, and Cam Brown played forty nine. The only he was off the field for is when Ohio State went to a a third linebacker look on a goal line play. But those two guys and, played every and single Eichenberg snap. Eichenberg too, right? He didn't come off the field. Uh, yes, I believe so. Let me look at linebackers. Where are they? Oh, yeah, yes, st- yes. I'll stall for a little I, bit. Yeah, Eichenberg all 50 as well. Chambers played 26, and Cody Simon played 
25, which is too rich for my blood, but that's a, that's a story for another day. But yeah, Hancock and Johnson only played on special teams. And, and Eichenberg needed it too. You know, he was great during that game. We, we've talked about who really stood out during week one, but I, I don't know how much more you can say about this game beyond what we've already covered. I, I think that it's a good opportunity early in the season to get guys reps, get them some playing time, get them minutes in the game. And maybe that extends to quarterback as well. Maybe we see a Kyle McCord or a Devin Brown. I, I am willing to say we see, or I want to see new faces at basically every position on the field for Ohio state. I'm talking quarterback, running back, wide receiver up front and every position on the defensive side of the ball. This is the game because foreshadowing a little bit Toledo can do some things you know they're not a bad team they are not they didn't go two and ten last year like Arkansas State did so this is your first and potentially only opportunity to play you know 30 40 50 guys on the field at any given time against an opponent that you're not going to see the rest of the year yeah and like there's there's a couple of guys that you know don't get a lot of love that I, I would actually like to see especially there's one that I have in mind at linebacker, I want to see some Chip Tranum in this game. This is a guy that we heard yeah. a ton of hype about this offseason, a guy who used to be a, a running back back at Arizona State, but he did play linebacker in high school. He's a guy that you know Jim Knowles and the other defensive coaches have talked about a ton. I didn't love what we saw from Gene, you know, play him at both positions. Yeah, honestly, let him, let him get some reps at running back. They only have three <laughs> scholarship guys in the room anyway, so I wouldn't be surprised if in an emergency spot he was like the fourth, lineback- uh, fourth running back on the team. But I'd love to see him get some burn at linebacker. You know, other than Eichenberg and Chambers, I didn't love what we saw from, you know, some of the other guys that played out there. And I guess I'm really only talking about Cody Simon because he's the only other one that got defensive reps at linebacker. But I'd love to see some chip training him in this game, see what he's able to do. Just a super athletic guy. I'm really excited to see what he's able to do for this defense. So definitely, yeah, like you said, get a lot of those young guys in. Get the guys who didn't get to play. You know, they have a bunch of young guys, especially up front on the defensive line. They've got the guys at linebacker. They've got a whole bunch of safeties to rotate in and out with those three safety spots. So I would like to see as many players in this game as possible. They played 52 total guys against Notre Dame. I wouldn't be surprised if that number is closer to 70 against a team like Arkansas wow, State. Wow, I, I undershot it big time then. Yeah, you, it's surprising how, how many players play in a game. Also, something we didn't talk about last week, but I'm interested to see if it continues. Um, I didn't notice it at the time, but looking at the snap counts, were you aware that Ohio State's kickoff guy was a, a walk-on freshman in the name of Jaden Fielding? Not until you brought it up in our Slack, Gene. Yeah, he had he had, did all four kickoffs for Ohio State, and he did a good job. You know, two touchbacks and two yeah, kicks that were uh, that were tackled inside the 15-yard line, but I didn't notice it at the time. You know, you had the USC transfer Parker Lewis is still not eligible, and I guess they'd rather have uh, Ruggles just handle the field goals and stuff. But yeah, he did he did all four kickoffs for Ohio State. Did a good job. I imagine he'll probably be you know back out there doing the same thing if that's his you know only role. I don't I don't hate it. You know, if you have a guy that's good at doing the kickoffs, let him keep doing it. So that's fun. But so yeah, Gene, I expect you, to see uh, a lot of guys. You kind of led me into this. There is one guy I do not want to see on the field. Can you guess who that is? Uh, Jesse Marco. Absolutely, sir. I expect no punts. I want to see no punts on Saturday against Arkansas State. Absolutely, and that's that's no slight to Jesse Murko. He did a great job against Notre Dame. He did you know great job of flipping the field. But if Ohio State's punting against Arkansas State, things have, have probably gone wrong. Although you know there'll probably be a drive or two here where you know a, a penalty or something whatnot. Maybe you know there's a sack or a, a fumbled snap or whatnot that that leads to maybe a loss of yards and a punt. But yeah, Ohio State should be should be driving down the field pretty easily more times than not. So if Murko's on the field a couple times, then maybe we have some issues. I'm gonna have big issues. I'd really like you know even if it, you're on your own forty against Arkansas State. Throw caution to the wind, but, uh, you know, Gene, I don't know if I can put any more lipstick on this pig. Do you have anything else to say about this matchup? No, I didn't have anything to say when we started, and I certainly don't have anything more to say now. <laughs> That's fair, man. Uh, bring us home, then. I, 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 look, at the end of the day, though, I, I do think both of us are excited to see new faces and see maybe this Ohio State offense hit their stride against an inferior opponent, but beyond that, beyond that I don't know what we'll be able to take away from this game when, when all is said and done. Oh, absolutely. I'm always excited to watch Ohio State play football. I'm ready to, you know, when Ohio State goes three and out on its first possession because they throw like three incomplete passes in a row, I'm ready to, to fire up the sticks on Twitter and get mad at Ryan Day. Um, always fun things to do on a Saturday, especially with this being a noon game. You know, you get your Ohio State game out of the way. They get a nice, easy win. You get to enjoy the rest of the college football slate, even though, uh, spoiler, not a particularly good weekend of college football at large. I think there's one 
total ranked matchup, if I'm not mistaken. I believe Baylor, you, uh, BYU is the only ranked matchup this weekend, unless things have... Bama-Texas. Uh, yeah, that's true, Bama-Texas. Is Texas ranked, though? They weren't last week. They might be in the new poll. Yeah, I'm not sure, but, it, you know, regardless, a high-profile matchup. Yeah, I'm just, and I just know in the opening poll there was only one, but now, now things probably have changed with the, the new rankings. But nonetheless, yeah, Bama-Texas will be uh, a game for sure. I will take Bama with any spread. I don't think Texas has any chance in that game, but nonetheless, um, speaking of this game, let's let's make our score predictions and get the heck out of here. Um, I made you go first last week, so I'll go first this time. Um, you know, we've talked about it. There's not a, a ton going on here for Arkansas State. I don't think their defense has much hopes of, of stopping an Ohio State offense, even one that isn't clicking on all cylinders just yet. I think Ohio State's going to run the ball for a heck of a ton of yards with both Henderson and Williams. I think C.J. Stroud's going to have a much better game through the air. I do. You know, I'm going to wager a guess and say that Julian Fleming does play in this game. JSN doesn't, so that'll at least give Ohio State one more experienced wide receiver on the field. Um, and I think defensively they'll look just as good as they did against Notre Dame, if not better. So I'm going to give Ohio State a 56-10 to 10 win here. I think maybe Arkansas State could get, you know, maybe they get one broken play for a touchdown. Maybe they get one late with, the, you know, the third or fourth string defense in or whatnot. But I do think they'll get, you know, they'll get one touchdown. I'm not going to give them a total shutout. But I think, you know, it's going to be a big win. They, I think they will potentially cover that 45-point spread. Um, and if they don't, it'd probably just be, you know, just more of the same where the offense isn't totally clicking yet, but I think they'll be getting closer and closer with each passing week. So I'm going to say 56-10 to 10 in favor of Ohio State. Uh, what do you got for us, Josh? Uh, I just hope we're not both wrong about this because I usually err on the side of caution. I, I often pick against the spread when it comes to Ohio State. I'm just, you know, that's my nature. I'm a, I'm a bit of a worry wart, but I think that they will cover. And I'm going to give you a prediction of 66 to 7. I think Ohio State scores a bunch of touchdowns. They give up one. And then just because Ruggles missed a field goal against Notre Dame, if they have an opportunity to give him an attempt, I think he kicks a field goal. So give me 66-7. Good guys. I like it. And so now that Josh and I have both picked Ohio State to cover the spread, be sure and go out there. Place your bets on Arkansas State with the points. Um, yeah, that's, it's never going to work out for us when we both go the same way. So definitely hammer that line. But nonetheless, uh, I think that's really all we have for you guys this week. Not a ton of other like newsworthy stuff. This is, you know, the game is what it is. We've previewed about as much of, of Arkansas State as I can handle in any given year. Um, and, and I think that's about it. So we will still have, you know, even though it's not the biggest game in the world, we will still have all of our usual um, pregame coverage for you this week over at LandGrantHolyLand.com, all the written content-wise you know, Josh will still have his players to watch as he he digs deep in the dirt of Arkansas State football to find some guys to talk about. Um, we'll have all of our other stuff going up there, and we will still have this weekend our uh, our review podcast on Sunday, uh, talk about whatever happens in the game for the Buckeyes. Hopefully, we get to preview some of Ohio State's second and third stringers as we uh, as we get to see them them blow out the Arkansas State Rebels. But nonetheless, that'll be it for us. Be sure to like, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. All the podcast asks you to do. And for Josh, Julie, I am Gene Ross, and as always, go Bucks.